Hi, it's Carolina. I'm so excited that you could join us on the City Point Redcliffe podcast. You're just about to hear a message from one of our incredible preaching team, and I know you're going to be encouraged and inspired by what you hear. If it does encourage you, why don't you share it with someone who you know might need to hear it as well? And make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of the messages that are uploaded every single week. And for now, sit back and enjoy. I hope you get blessed. This morning, what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about Jesus. It's always good to do on Easter Sunday because Easter Friday, we are starting a celebration of honestly, let's talk about it. It's, it's weird. The fact that we celebrate the cross and we have it on our necklaces, we get tattoos, um, some in better places than others. Uh, but the fact that the cross in the first century where Jesus was, it was actually a symbol of oppressive death. It's like we don't walk around with nec- necklaces without Auschwitz on it. That's, it's crazy, but... Through what Jesus did on the cross, he not only redefined the symbol of God, uh, the cross, but has ever since changed the line of history in its place. And now today we celebrate this, this symbol of a cross, not for the death that it symbolizes, but the victory that it symbolizes. And this morning, I want to break down what I've called God's comeback strategy. The cross and the resurrection are God's comeback strategy. And we all like an underdog, underdog story. We all like the comeback strategy. And uh, some are better than others. Like you go back to the, the Winter Olympics where our speed skater won the, the 1,000 meters. And you're like, you just stood up longer than everyone else. And he just stood up and everyone fell down and he went past. And they're like, that's a comeback. We like a good band comeback, though some bands shouldn't come back. <laughs> it's like, oh, closing down sale. No, stay closed down. <laughs> Like, Video Easy ain't coming back, and some bands shouldn't come back. <laughs> they lost the train, leave it alone. Um, don't give CPR to that dead thing. But when we're talking about God's comeback strategy, what we're not talking about is the fact that God was behind or losing. What we're talking about is God's comeback strategy for humanity to come back to Him. Where well, He wasn't behind, He wasn't lost, He wasn't losing. Darkness never had a hold on God. When we look at the story of light and darkness, it's never been an arm wrestle. It's always been a smackdown. It's always been God wins. Light has no choice but to flee when the light's switched on. Darkness must flee when the light is switched on. And so when we come to this story of Jesus, the comeback strategy of heaven, of humans back to him, it's a relationship cry. And the, the message I want to communicate today is simple, that the message of the cross was not believe and be damned, but le- believe and be saved. It is not saying believe on Jesus or face consequences. It's you're facing consequences. Let me come and redeem you from death. Let me redeem you into life. And so what I want to enter in is why did Jesus have to die? And is sin as bad as we make it? What is sin? We talk about sin like we all know what it means, but do we? Uh, just because I say, hey, do you want a coffee? doesn't mean I know what coffee you drink, and it doesn't, like, just because we say it commonly doesn't mean we understand it commonly. And so what I want to enter into today is the idea that Jesus came back for more than just saving, or like not condemning us, but to save us and bring us into new life. 
And so the scripture I want to open with is simple. John 3.16. Crazy. (laughs) Except, do you know that there's verses around John 3.16 too? Wow. For there to be 16, there has to be 15 and 17 as well. And so John 3.16 verses through 18, it says this, For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world, I'm thankful that He loved the world, and He gave His one and only Son that whoever, not the elect, not the specific people, not the chosen ones, but whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe already stands condemned because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. What is sin? What is sin? What is this great big chasm of the umbrella that we call sin? Is it doing bad things? Is it like the white lies? Because I think we, we understand sin in different ways. We're like, some sins seem to be worse than others. Like if I tell a white lie, um, it seems way better than me going and s- comparing myself to like a manslaughter incident. Uh, it seems pretty clear that there is a difference. But are both sin? Is one sin better than others? And we're like, well, why, are, why do bad things happen to good people? Like there's... Is there better people? Are we all on the same category? Is like if I sin less, if I do less bad things, does that mean I'm less sinful? But what I want to enter into this morning is simple that sin is not just like bad people, sin is dead people, sin is separation. And no matter your, matter your category for dead things, you can't be more dead than another thing. Like, it, when we talk about death, when, when Adam and Eve took the fruit, it says, if you take of the fruit, you will surely die. I'm not sure if you've noticed, but they didn't die. But did they? they what God's talking about is you're going to get evicted from this place that you will know, like sin cannot live in the heaven on earth, Eden. It is a place where you have to leave because Death can't dwell with life. It has to exit. And so they did die because they had to leave life. And so what we see is there's a disconnect that happens in this moment. And what sin is not bad things. Sin is this. Sin is divergence from design. Now let me claim this a little bit. The word sin in the original language means one of a couple of things. But basically it means missing the mark. If you try and shoot for something and you miss, you miss the mark. If you take a wrong turn on a road and you end up in a destination where you did not intend, you've missed the mark. But then you've got to ask the question, well, what's the mark? What is this glorious thing? What is the the piece de resistance of Scripture that if we aren't hitting it, what's the deal? Here's the deal. It is God's design. God's design in the original... uh, Creation was perfect. And here's why it was perfect, because he had complete and utter relationship with humanity. There was a closeness that you could not break. It says that he walked with humans in the cool of the evening. Isn't it crazy? The same way that you walk with a friend, God would walk with Adam and Eve. Like It blows my mind in Exodus when it talks about Moses' friendship with God, that he talked face-to-face with God as with, as if with a friend. 
like the same way I'm talking to you right now, but closer because God doesn't have a microphone speaking at you. And you actually, it'd be weird if we talk right now because there's a lot of you. And let's face it, I'm an introvert, so I, I shy down from the crowd. But, <laughs> but there is an intimacy, there is a perfection. So anything that is not of that perfect intimacy of that perfect design and diverges from it is sin. Let me cut it this way. If you use an iPhone as a hammer, something's going to break. <laughs> if you use an iPhone as a hammer, you're not using it as it's designed. And so something has to break. This is what sin is. When we are stepping out of God's design for our life, stepping out of the intimacy of relationship with Him, it's not that we are stepping into, oh, well, I better condemn them, I better curse them. We are stepping into, and once we start operating out of desire, we start to break. There is something like you smack that iPhone on that nail, probably not a lot is going to happen to that nail, but a lot's going to happen to that iPhone. And so we, in our attempts to live separate from God, are smacking our screens against life, finding that I wasn't designed for this. And we know this. We know that there is a guilt, the fact that we are enraged by guilt and shame and we look at history and the story of failings of humanity. We are frightfully aware that there is something in need of redemption. We don't look at the 20th century, which is the bloodiest century of human history and go, good job, humanity. We look at it and say, man, there's something that is in the heart of humanity that is in need of redemption. There has been a divergence from what we were intended to be. And this is it. This is why God isn't saying, I've come to condemn the world. I've come to save the world. And this is why the message of the gospel isn't believe or be damned. This is why, like, you know, the sort of the, the 80s and the 90s um, uh, street preachers saying, be saved or be sent to hell. That isn't as potent as you're already on a path in the direction of unhealthiness. Let me come and save you. If you see someone drowning, you don't blame them for getting in the water. You extend a hand out to bring them out. And so humanity and its helplessness to get itself out of the water, Jesus comes instead. Jesus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever, whoever is in the water, whoever is drowning, whoever is separate from him, whoever is diverged from design and living in less than God's best has an opportunity to step back into the holiness of what God has set on part for them. And we find that it is not believe or be damned, it's believed and be saved. Jesus looks at the world and says, man, what a mess. He doesn't look and say, what a messed up humanity. He's like, man, I wish my sons and daughters would come home. It says in Scripture that he looks at Jerusalem and says, my heart breaks as a, a, a mother or a father breaks for their child being distant from me. He's saying, come home. Come home. I've made a way. There's a quote from Bob George that says this, from God's point of view, the problem of man is not just that he is a sinner in need of forgiveness. His greater problem is that he is dead in need of life. So what is God's strategy? What is his comeback strategy to bring humanity back? What is his intention in relationship here? And it's simple. 
Instead of us dying, he'll die instead. The Old Testament paints this picture, an illustration of if something dies as a substitute, then it's as good as that thing dying. And saying, well, you can't get back into the heaven on earth by yourself unless you pass through death, and, but instead of you dying, I'll die instead. Romans, 5, chapter, uh, Romans chapter 5 to 6 through 9 says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, when we were still drowning, when we were still separate from Christ, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, while we were still separate, while we were still drowning, while we were still have nothing to offer him, he died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? You know, I think that sometimes we can reduce the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, to this. Jesus was a good teacher. Let me try and imitate what he told me. Let me try and reflect. It's like, don't murder. Seems like a good move. But then it says things like, if you look at a woman lustfully, you have committed adultery with her in your mind. You're like, oh, can I do that? And we try and replicate his example, but that is a false gospel because everything it says is puts on humanity to perform. And if we look at nothing of the Old Testament, we know that us separated from God, our sinful nature means that we cannot climb our way back to heaven. The, the Christian story is not a ladder so we can go back up to Jesus. It is Jesus climbing down, putting on flesh and bringing us back up to him. It is not a strategy, it was only Jesus. The distance is far too great. At just the right time, he came. We were still sinners. We still couldn't offer him anything, yet he loved us anyway. Ephesians 2, it won't be on the screen. All of us, to live that way, following the passionate uh, desires and inclinations of our sinful nature, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Verse 4 of chapter 2 of Ephesians says this, but God, I'm so thankful that there's a but God moment in my life. There is a but God moment where he stood in, he stepped in and revealed his life to me and said, it's okay, Cam, I know you're down this spiral, I know you're addicted to things, I know you're subject to shame and guilt, you have certain things, but me. But Jesus, but God, who is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he was raised for Christ from the dead. It is only God's grace that we have been saved. Incredible. That the death we deserved in our sin, he died instead. But here's the thing. You're not just dead to sin. It's like, the Romans puts it like this. If you were under a contract and you died, you're no longer under that contract. But here's the thing. It's not you're just dead to sin anymore. You're not just not under the power of guilt, shame, and things anymore. You are now alive in Jesus Christ. Because today it is Sunday. It is not just Friday. Death just isn't defeated, but Christ is risen. You are not just under shame. You are not just a survivor of life. But he has destined you to live life. 
Live life not in your own authority, under your own ability, but live life under his life, under his way. John 10.10 says this, I came that they may have life and life abundantly. John 5.24 says this, that whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be camped. He has crossed over from death to life, from death to life. Bob George again says this, that Jesus Christ, spiritually alive, laid down his life for us. Why? So that he could give his life to us. My friend, don't, if you're a Christ follower in here, don't settle for a second-class Christianity where you're just trying to not sin, where you're just trying to survive life. Christ died that you might have his life. Not a survival life, but a life that is more abundant. Not just struggling with sin, not just struggling with anxiety, not just struggling with things, not just struggling with circumstance. He says that offer to me petitions and the peace of God that transcends understanding may rest upon you. He's not given you just to struggle through the circumstances like a ping pong ball through life, just going, I'll just make it. He has made you to live in the fullness of Christ. Scripture says that we have all things pertaining to life and godliness. You are meant to not just live a, a survivor, but a victor. He isn't just dead. He is alive. And in Jesus Christ, we are coming alive with him. That's what's so significant about baptism. If we just left him out of the water, there'd be a lawsuit. Because <laughs> it's not about the death, it's about the resurrection. It's about the coming out of the water. And we don't think that's particularly holy water, it's Redcliffe water. <laughs> I've tasted this water. <laughs> what it is, is a symbol. I'm publicly dying with Christ. Sin is dead to me because I'm dead to it. Old, I'm dead to him because it's dead to me. But I'm alive with Christ. He was no sub longer subject to the sin, the guilt, or the pain that died on the cross. He came back powered. He was walking through doors and stuff, guys. Cool. <laughs> I'm not walking through doors, nor are you, but that's all G. <laughs> But he is not just alive, he is Jesus alive, he is heavenly alive, he is clothed with something new, he is not just surviving sin, he is thriving in an abundant life that is connected with heaven and bringing new creation onto earth so that more of earth may go to heaven. There is something different in this life. I love th this. I love this resurrection story because Jesus rewrites death. Let's face it, if we were going to observe what happens when you die, it's pretty conclusive. It's the end. But this is not conclusive. He says that for those who believe in Him, there's not just death, there is life beyond this. And it may sound crazy for those in this room, but we as Christ followers believe that when we pass this world, that we are not going to just be a body and flesh left on the earth, but we believe that we are called home. We believe that there is not just death to the flesh, but there is a life in Jesus Christ, that there is an eternity beyond this one. And in fact, this is the temporal. 
This is the staging ground for that which is more significant, and we are talking about a heavenly reality where new creation reigns, where God's space is, where there is no tears, where there is no pain, where there is no guilt, where there is no shame. We are talking about our future if you're a follower because Jesus died, was resurrected, and got a plot twist, he also ascends. There is future beyond today. There is future beyond now. You remember, you hear stories of people on their deathbed, and you, why are you so alive? Because I know that this isn't my future, that there is a home, there is a destination beyond now. And though I may not find my healing in today, I will find it in the next place. There is hope in Jesus Christ, not just for today, but for eternity to come. So here's the point. Whether you're a believer in here today, don't live a second-class Christianity. If you're not a believer today, that's okay. Thank you for being a part of this. But I pray that you would feel that God calls to you, not just my voice, but God calling to you saying, I'm not about to condemn you. I'm trying to save you. I'm trying to call you home. Would you come home, my son? Would you come home, my daughter? And then maybe there's someone else in here as well that has stepped away, but God's calling you back today. And He's not calling you to be a part of a church religious institution. He's not calling you to put on a moral code. He's not calling you to put something else on your schedule to try harder or to find that your willpower still has its own limitations. What he's calling you is he's calling you to come to him. John 12, 27 to 32 says this. Jesus speaking, it says, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. He's about to die. No, it was for this very reason I came. Father, glorify your name. Then the voice came from heaven and says, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that was there heard the noise, and it thundered. Others said it was just an angel who had spoken to him, but Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Get this. And now is the time for judgment of this world. Now the prince of peace will be driven out, and when I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. Not to a moral code, not to a shame, not just to try harder, not just to attend something, but to Jesus himself. We don't need another voice telling us what we did or didn't do. We don't need another credential to say what you should or shouldn't done. And that's what not what Jesus has come. And if that's the way you're living, there's more for you. He said, come to me, all who are heaven, all who are burdened and heavy laden, I will give you rest. He is calling to you this morning saying, come to me. Don't just attend a church, come to Jesus. The church is nothing more than just a bunch of misfits who have met the perfecter of our faith. We have met him who is Savior. And if nothing else, if you're a believer in this place, you can celebrate all the more today because Jesus is alive. Romans 10 Verses 9 to 10 says this, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. It is not you doing anything in particular. It is just you authentically trusting that what Jesus did was enough. He is enough. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message inspires you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. Go ahead and share it with a friend. And can I invite you to connect with us on one of our many social media platforms as well. Most importantly, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to say congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We'd love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services around the world this Sunday. And you can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We would be so thrilled to see you there.